everyone, this is Sabra from Hoof Falls and Foot Falls. And today we are going to be going live and talking about a policy change that ended up saving a program over $6,000 in a year. Um, and I think it was actually over seven, but I wanted to be conservative on my, my estimate there because um, it was a couple years back and I wanted to make sure I was being accurate on that. So um, while we are waiting for a couple people to jump on the live stream that said that they would be um, attending live, go ahead and you can definitely drop a comment. Let me know where you're listening from, um, whether you're listening on YouTube on a replay, on the podcast on a replay, um, Facebook, whether live or on a replay. I love to hear where you are listening from. And um, if you have a guess on what this policy change is that ended up saving a program over $6,000. So, <clears throat> excuse me, and I do apologize if I kind of go into a coughing fit. I've been getting over a pretty nasty chest cold here. Um, so I, I do apologize, but I have water here just in case that happens. So if you're jumping on the live stream, um, feel free to drop a comment. Let me know where you're coming from or where you're listening from. Um, even if you're watching on a replay, you can definitely let me know where you are listening from. I love to hear um, who's joining in and give your guess on what you think the policy change is. And uh, we'll see here in a few minutes if you're correct. So a little bit about me. My name is Sabra Papoli and I am the owner of Hoof Falls and Foot Falls. And I am on a mission to empower and equip fellow instructors in the equine assisted activities and therapies industry by providing uh, free and low cost professional and accessible education. And one of the ways that I do that is I do these live instructor chats. Um, and this chat was actually a spinoff from my last instructor chat where someone had asked about attendance policies and um, you know making sure that people had showed up and um, this was kind of a piece of that. All right, so let's go ahead and let's jump in and start talking about um, this policy change. And if you have any questions or comments during the live stream or even during a replay, whether you're watching or listening, feel free to drop a comment, ask a question, and I will definitely be answering those um, either live during this broadcast or I will answer in the comments if it's during your replay time. So in this chat today, we're gonna to be talking about the center profile, so where this happened at, the old policy, and kind of the problems that were going along with that old policy, the steps that we took when we were thinking about a change before we implemented the policy change, uh, what the new policy was, the, how we implemented that new policy, and then the results. So those are gonna be kind of the five main points that we hit. So, a little bit of backstory on how this all happened. Um, I used to work for a medium to large uh, equine assisted activities and therapy center here in Arizona. And I worked there for close to 10 years and um, missed them every day, had to step down due to family stuff and then started up footfalls and footfalls as a need to stay in the industry. But at my time there at that large center, um, it was during a time of growth. So when I, I started there at the very beginning, um, several policies had been in implementation for years and years and years. And um, during the first, I would say probably six to seven years that I was there, uh, there was a lot of growth and change. Growth and change um, being participant numbers and also uh, a change in the number of things that were offered. So it went from just um, therapeutic riding and hippotherapy 
and a few groundwork things in school programs to offering equine assisted learning, equine facilitated mental health, military and first responder programs, um, a lot more um, volunteer and corporate projects, uh, a lot more adaptive horsemanship, a lot more adaptive riding. There were more instructors that were brought on. So there was a lot of growth and change and when that happens, sometimes old policies just don't work anymore for that new change. Um, and I will give you a, a a little heads up that at where I'm at right now running my own private little lesson program with just a handful of students, I don't have the same policy, but it's because I don't have a lot of the same factors that were at that that size of a center. So I would say that, you know, a small, medium to large center where you have a few different instructors, you have several different students, you have a couple different programs being offered, um, this might be a really good policy change or update that might benefit you. So the old policy um, involved attendance and credits. So that's going to be what we're talking about. So um, though that policy together with all the changes that we're going to be talking about ended up saving a, that program over 6,000 um, in a year. And we did it without too much heartburn from everybody because the way that we implemented it worked really well. So um, the problems that we ran into with the old policy were that uh, as the program was a little bit smaller, um, the rule was that if you were not going to be attending class, you had 48 to 24-ish hours to notify your instructor if you were not going to be attending class. And the reason was because it was more of a smaller, um, I, and I don't want to say that the family feel went away, but you know, smaller kind of family feel, easier to communicate because there was less participants, there were less instructors. Um, we wanted to be grace, gracious about understanding that a lot of our students might have health issues that change on a daily basis. Um, and so that was that 48 to 24 hour cancellation policy. And with that, if you canceled ahead of time, you would get a credit for that class. So if you missed one class, you would then get a credit onto your next session. And we ran and build in what was called sessions. So they would get an invoice for five to six weeks, depending on how many classes fell in that week. They would pay for that invoice. If they had any um, uh, excused absences, so calling ahead of time, they would get credits and it would get rolled over into that next session. If someone was an unexcused absence, so like a no-show or they canceled like five to ten minutes before class, they were still charged for that class. So that was the old policy. Um, I would definitely say that that worked well the first few years that I was there, but then as we were growing and more instructors got brought on, participant numbers got bigger, um, and I think also culture has changed a little bit, we noticed a pretty drastic swing in probably one to two years of the number of excuse cancellations, I'll give it to the families that they were actually calling ahead of time and letting us know they would be absent, um, but the number of excused absences that were in a year and it ended up being a loss of about $7,000 in credits that we were rolling over and giving those students because they were um, kind of in a way taking advantage of that excuse absence policy. So not only was the program losing money, um, the program was a nonprofit, so you know, it, 
it's a nonprofit, but you should still run it as a business because you have your staff to pay, you have your horses to take care of, and if you go under due to financial mismanagement, you can't serve the people that you're supposed to be serving. So um, even though you're a nonprofit, you should still be responsible with finances, and that includes policies that set you up to be financially successful. Um, so some of the problems that came from that old policy were that with that many excused absences, even with the heads up, we were scheduling volunteers to show up and help our students during class, and then those students would be absent. And then the volunteers would get frustrated because they felt like they weren't needed. They had cut time out of their day to come out and volunteer, and then we either had to call them and send them home, or they would show up and we would try to have them do busy work. Um, so, you know, with volunteers, with them constantly getting a call out of, oh, hey, sorry, your student's not here again, you can imagine that, that got frustrating. And then that, in turn, a domino effect of it is that it impacted volunteer retention. Um, staff, so instructors were getting frustrated because they would have a lesson plan for, you know, three to four kids. And yes, I understand we're supposed to be flexible, but when you're planning for three to four students, horses, tack, volunteers, lesson plan, uh, arena setup, and then you have half of your, your class cancel, albeit ahead of time, that still gets really frustrating after a while because students are progressing at different rates because they're not always showing up to class and you have to show up to class and practice to make progress. And on that same note of progress, the parents were getting frustrated and, and the students were getting frustrated because they were attending session after session and um, they were not seeing as much progress as they wanted to see, but they weren't really realizing that a lot of that had to do with not showing up. Um, and then also the students who did consistently show up because there was a really good chunk of students that consistently showed up week after week They didn't have a ton of excused absences Then they were impacted because the other students that they were paired with that had originally been pretty good uh, matches their spread as far as um, You know ability level and equine skills was getting further and further and so when those students showed up that consistently had excused absences, we would have to kind of revert back, catch them up, and it impacted the other students. And we try to create, creatively do that, but it still impacted the class as a whole. And then our poor billing and financial team, <laughs> um, our, she did a wonderful job, but you know, keeping track of all those credits and the rollovers and who owed what and all of that was just getting so hard to manage when there was, you know, over 100, 125 individuals a week that were coming to the center and paying for, for programs and services. Um, so across the board, the old policy was just not working anymore. Um, before I jump on to the next session, um, section, sorry. I want to say hi to Monica. Hi, thanks for joining in. Kate, hi from South Carolina. Uh, thanks for joining in live. Um, if you are joining in and watching live and you want to drop a comment of where you're from, um, if you've experienced some of these same difficulties with this policy, um, if you've made any changes in your policy, love to hear. And uh, in between next sessions, I'll, uh, sections, I will take a break and, and read comments because I get squirrel brain if I try to read them as I go. Um, so that was the old policy. So we had the excuse absence where you get a credit and then um, the credits would roll over. So we got to the point where we were noticing that there was just a lot of problems kind of stemming from this excuse absence credit policy. And we got together as a team and we were talking about change and we were trying really hard to balance 
being understanding of the families and the populations we served and understanding that health changes on a regular basis, but also balancing the other pieces. So financial responsibility, um, happiness of our staff and the billing team, happiness and volunteer retention, um, you know, all of those pieces that go along with, um, you know, with participants showing up and being there. So we did a lot of research. Um, I was the program director at the time, so I, I did a lot of research on it. I reached out to other programs across the nation, got their input, um, looked at some of the really large successful programs that um, the program I was at kind of wanted to um, grow and be like and that we had looked up to and collaborated with in the past. And um, it had turned out that they had gone through a very similar change too of when they had grown and things had changed, they ended up having to shift their attendance and cancellation and um, credit policy as well. So the research was awesome. Um, there were actually a couple of centers that sent me sample policies, so thank you to those guys. I don't remember the names because it was several years ago, but thank you to those centers who um, sh gracefully you know, shared that information with us because that really helped. Then once we had all of the stuff gathered up, um, we had a team discussion and we um, we rewrote that policy together so that we all agreed upon it. And the team was the executive director, um, myself as the program director, all of our instructors that were teaching classes during the week, and then also any other people who were in charge of running other programs, so like the equine assisted learning and mental health program, um, that person was there. We also had... Um, a couple of the therapists that offered therapy incorporating equines there to talk about it and we made it a, a team decision so that everybody was on board we understand we understood where we were coming from and why we needed to change and we got a bunch of different inputs and ended up putting together a new policy so um that new policy was that uh the heads up for missing classes was still needed, so they still needed to cancel 48 to 24 hours in advance in order for it to be counted as an excused absence. However, an excused absence still did not equal a credit. Um, and then also, if you did not give heads up that you were going to be canceling, that would be counted as a no-show, and those counted against you. So if you consistently had no call, no shows, then we would have a discussion of if everything was still a good fit for our program. If we had one no show, no call, the instructor would call up the family, say, hey, are you guys okay? Make sure it wasn't an emergency, nobody was sick, um, you know, no major car accidents or anything like that. Um, but then we would have the discussion of, hey, like, you know, the horses were out for you, the volunteers were really excited to see the student, please make sure that you give us a, a heads up if you guys are going to be out sick, even if it's a call or a text. Um, they had contact numbers for the instructors so they could contact their instructor directly, they didn't even have to call into the office. Um, so we were really big on the whole excused absence um, policy. And with that, if someone had a ton of excused absences, so missing more than half of a session, we would have a discussion with them of, hey, look, is this day and time still a good fit for you guys? Is this program still a good fit for you guys? Or what's going on? Why are you missing classes? We appreciate that you're still paying, but we want you to show up and feel like you're getting um, a good product for the, the money that you're paying. Because uh, we had the mindset that we wanted people to be there in class, um, make progress as suitable to that person, 
and be happy with what they're doing. Even if someone was paying money but they only showed up to one out of six classes, we would rather have someone be in a class that was there a majority of the time and actually benefiting from those programs. So that was kind of that um, attendance, uh, you know, policy shift. Then with that was the credit shift. So we pretty much had a cut and dry um, policy change that we gave no credits for missed classes. And the reason why is that we said that um, you are paying for your spot and for your horse to be reserved. It's not necessarily for your participation, but you are paying for your spot in our program. If you choose to miss that, whether you're on vacation, a school thing came up, you're sick, we can't help that, but unfortunately this is reserving your spot. Um, and then if we, as the program, cancel due to uh, weather, like sometimes we'd have two rainy days, two windy days, um, occasionally we had a huge emergency where we had an instructor call out sick and we had no one to fill in. Um, that was pretty rare, but um, that happened once or twice. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm so sorry. Um, then we would issue them a credit. So if we canceled on our, on our part, they would get a credit for the next session that would be taken off of their billing and their invoice. Um, but any cancellations that were on the behalf of the student, uh, those were not credited. Now, I will tell you though that there were some instances where we gave a little grace to the family, like one of the families was excellent at calling and texting and letting us know if anything was happening. They showed up all the time. And then one of the days the mom called and said, hey, like we just got in a car accident, we're not gonna be able to make it. Um, I'm so sorry, we'll see you next week. So in that instance, um, the instructor reached out to me, let me know what was going on. I called and I talked to the family. And in that instance, we did have a little grace on the family and we did credit them for that because it was a car accident. Um, she even sent me a picture and all that. So it was one of those extreme situations where we did give a little grace to the family. Same thing with, um, emergencies where someone ended up in the hospital, we gave a little grace in those situations. Those were very few and far between, um, but there was still a little bit of that wiggle room and it was very extreme circumstances and they were documented. So I'm gonna take a break, read some comments really quick and then we'll come back to the chat. So, um, oh, Monica's from Kentucky. Hi, Monica, thanks for joining in. Hi, Samantha from Ohio. Um, Janice is from Montrose. I'm not sure where that's at. Where's Montrose? Uh, Lisa Ann, hi from California. And Melissa is in Idaho. Um, so let's see, Monica said that she is rewriting her policy now and it's the perfect timing. We had the same frustrations with allowing excuse absences. Yeah, totally feel you there. Um, you know, I think we want to try to serve the families as best as we can and so we try to be really gracious and um, flexible, but in the long run, that can have some drastic impact across the board. Um, I will do a separate live chat on my on how my small program functions and my absence and excusal and credit policy functions, but I function very differently from when I was at this center. Uh, Melissa said, we're in Idaho, we do mostly EFP, equine facilitated psychotherapy, and we see a lot of no-shows with Medicaid clients. With Medicaid, we cannot have them pay for no-shows, yes. That is extremely frustrating. Um, with instances like that, you could have an agreement with that person where if it's a no-show and it's a certain number of times that they could be uh, dismissed from your program um, due to lack of continu um, continuance and lack of progress and also planning. 
Make sure you consult with any um, legal people who are familiar with Medicaid and rules in your state though if you choose to go that way, but you could have it be a program policy as far as attendance goes to um, hopefully, um, this is going to sound harsh, but hopefully weed out the people that are kind of taking advantage of that program. All right. Monica said, what about a, a seizure that day? Is there an emergency in your policy? Um, so I will come back. I'm going to, I'll come back to that, Monica, and answer your question at the very end. Good question though. Uh, let's see. And Linda said, Montrose, Colorado. I was just there last week. I'm in St. Louis. Oh, awesome. Very cool. So Colorado. Great. Um, okay. So that was our new policy update. So we shifted the, um, excused absence, no show to be no credit. Um, and then the, the only time we actually gave a credit was if we canceled on our end. So as you can imagine for the families that had been with that program for several years and for the families who had been kind of taking advantage of the excuse absence credit policy of old, um, we were expecting some heartburn with this implementation of the new policy. So we took, we took a lot of time and thought into how we were going to implement it. And we ended up waiting until the end of our program year. We um, made sure that everything was all neat and tidy with the policy wording. We wrote up a formal announcement um, and we announced that over our summer break via email. We call, um, when I was doing re-enrollment calls for all of our participants, I called and I told them that new, excuse me, that new policy over the phone. And then also, I believe it was that same year, we also implemented a mandatory back to class week that all of our parents or independent participants had to attend. And that is where we went over all of the major policy um, updates and changes in person so that everyone was on the same page. Because we also had a major change in the weight limit um, policy for uh, balanced and imbalanced riders as well. So we wanted to make sure everybody understood, they all agreed, and we knew that people usually didn't read emails or the documents that they signed, so we wanted to make sure we had face-to-face -face conversations and made sure that we explained the why behind the policy change. Um, there were a couple families that were a little frustrated with it, but ultimately, um, I would say, you know, 99% of the people were actually happy with it. Um, and let me tell you what, holy cow, the attendance changed drastically. Um, we cut the excused absences down by, I would probably say, 80%. Um, and, you know, with that and the credits not being rolled over, um, we ended up saving close to seven, I want to say almost over 7,000 in that program year after all was said and done. Uh, the families ended up being a lot more happy too because progress was a lot more noticeable. Um, they felt like they were actually getting the you know bang for their buck because they were paying for the session. The instructors were a whole lot happier because they actually had students showing up for their classes. Volunteers were happy. Um, the retention was better. Um, and just overall, even though it was a tough change because it was a policy that had been around for years and years and years, it was a really good thing and benefited everybody across the board. Um, so the timing and the implementation though, a lot of thought and clarity and planning and um, meetings went into that. So if it had not been done that way, I don't think it would have been received quite as well. 
So um, I'm going to go ahead and go back and answer some questions. If you have any questions or comments about uh, the old policy, the policy changes, any research, anything like that, feel free to drop them in the comments. Um, give it a few seconds for it to be visible on my side. If you're watching on a replay, you can also drop comments in here and you can um, ask questions and I'll come back and I'll answer them. All right, so someone had a really good question about seizures. So Monica Sue said, what about a seizure that day? Is there an emergency um, in your policy? So it would depend on the type of seizure. Um, we had a pretty strict seizure policy. It had to be um, controlled and it also um, needed to be a seizure that was safe in uh, equine situations. So, um, you know, drop seizures were not safe. Um, Grand Mall, which they just changed the name and it's escaping my brain. Um, any type of major seizures we actually did not allow in our um, programs just due to the safety risks involved in working around equines and also putting our volunteers at risk and the participant at risk. So um, there was actually one person who did have um, grand mal seizures that were um, under control with medication and for the first time in like five years she actually ended up having an aura that day um, she was able to smell smell a certain smell that gave her a heads up that she was going to have a seizure she told us that she had had that aura we canceled she ended up having a seizure later that day um, and we did give her a credit for that because that was not usual however we did have to um, have her temporarily on hold in the program until she made sure that her seizures were back under control. She had her doctor sign off and made sure that um, this was not a reoccurring uh, thing. Other than that, if it's a seizure that's happening over and over and it's something that is impacting scheduling, um, again, this might seem harsh to some people, but participation in a larger program that might have a little less flexibility because of the domino effect of who it impacts so the instructor, the volunteers, the horses, billing, all of that, um, it might not be a good fit program or center-wise for that participant. And I know that sounds a little harsh, but um, there were a lot of moving pieces that had to go on. So if it was emergen an emergency that day, there might be a little grace depending on the situation, but then if it, if it was a repetitive thing over and over with that same person, we would look to see if the way that that program ran was still a good fit for that person. Um, and I hope that still sounded caring, um, but again, it's balancing that caring for the family, but also caring about your volunteers, the other participants, your staff, and all of those other pieces that we have running. So good question. Thank you for that question. All right. Hi, Janice from Western Dressage of Colorado. Thanks for joining in. I see, I think Elizabeth's on. Hi, Elizabeth. Um, Lisa said, would you schedule makeup classes? So, uh, no, we actually did not schedule makeup classes. That was very clear and upfront in our policy. And that was because we ran our sessions. So five to six weeks of classes. We had one off week in between sessions that the horses were basically not touched. I mean, they were fed and groomed and turned out, but that was their off week just to be a horse and just to have decompression time. Um, they were still schooled by our trained staff and trained volunteers, but that was the horse's week off. Um, we honored that week off. We did not do makeup classes. And then the program was so busy that we were not able to schedule makeup classes during regular weeks. 
um, and having someone go join in on another day and schedule additional volunteers and horses and all of that was just way too much of a hassle um, and hassle in the best way again trying not to be you know mean or anything but we just again had way too many pieces to do the makeup classes there was one year where we had like three full weeks of rain um, that were spread out over sessions and we ended up um, because all of the horses had those weeks off during the rainy season we ended up um, shifting one of our sessions and not taking a week off but it was because we had had to cancel the first two weeks anyways of that one session so there was that one time where we ended up making a pretty big schedule shift but everyone still say, stayed on their same ride schedule um, we didn't shift days or anything like that so I hope that answered your question um all right oh Janice the computer won't let me type just to say I'm not with Western okay sorry Janice <laughs> that's funny all right, Stephanie said, hi, Saber from Austin. Uh, Stephanie said, our riders pay per lesson, so we don't really do the credit thing, though we have it in the cancellation policy that we can reschedule if the program or schedule permits. I agree with the frustration about Medicaid not paying for cancellations. Um, I will waive off one of the cancellation fees for certain scenarios, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and a pay per lesson definitely works um, for certain size programs. Uh, that used to also be a, a policy at the, the center I used to be at, um, but that was before the, the big growth happened and we ended up having the policy where it was um, you paid for your session to lock in your six weeks and that was so that we could arrange for staff and horses and volunteers for that whole chunk of time. But if that works for your program where you're paying weekly or lesson by lesson, um, definitely keep doing it because that, that works. And I, um, I have certain students in my smaller program that some of them pay a month at a time, some of them pay week by week, and that works. So more than one way to do things. All right, so uh, that is basically that policy change in a nutshell. Please drop any more comments if you're on the live stream right now and you have any questions. Um, hi, Tara from Indiana. So uh, let me know, uh, what do you guys do right now at your center? Do you, what kind of policy do you have for uh, excused absences? What kind of policy do you have for no-shows? Do you have a credit policy? Do you only credit if it's your center that cancels or your barn that cancels? What does it look like? Because um, I know a lot of people here that are instructors or work at centers, they like reading the comments and seeing what other people say as well. All right. Oh. Tara said, Indianapolis. Man, the Facebook typing is just not cooperating with anyone today. So hi, Tara from Indianapolis area. All right, so um, Sherry said, hi from Grace Rides in Florida. Hi, Sherry, and always appreciate the info sharing. Sure, absolutely, I love sharing information. Um, a little caveat on things that I share, uh, the, the things and information that I share is not the only way. There are multiple ways to do it. Um, however, sometimes hearing how other people um, have their policies and experiences that they've gone through kind of helps you guys troubleshoot or maybe find the courage to make that policy shift if you need to. Um, and you can definitely you know, pick and choose pieces from multiple programs uh, and put them together and implement them in a way that works for your program and your center and your instructors and your students. Um, so I would just encourage you to reach out to fellow centers and fellow instructors, even depending on if it's a smaller program or a larger program, and see what works best for you and be willing to change too. Um, you know, I know change can be really hard. 
All right, so Stephanie said, we also increased our 24-hour cancellation fee from $25 to $45, and that seemed to make a difference. We rarely have the less than 24-hour cancellation fee. Oh, so if they cancel, you still do a cancellation fee. That's a really good idea, very nice. Yeah, so, um, but you go week by week, so that really helps, so that's great. Um, Stephanie, what do you charge for your, your full, um, if someone actually attends a class? Could you type that in and let us know? Because I'd be interested to see what you charge for a class and then what it is for the cancellation. Um, so that's also another way to do it, is to have a, um, they can cancel, but there's a cancellation fee, but it's not necessarily the full price. So that's also a great way to do it as well. And I will let her drop a comment in there. Um, if you guys are uh, newer to my page or maybe missed the update, I am now doing a podcast. So assuming technology cooperates, this will be going on my podcast channel. If you um, search Hoofalls and Footfalls on pretty much all of the major podcast streaming platforms, so Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor, all of those, uh, my podcast channel is on there, so make sure you favorite it. Uh, this will be available for replay, and also I'm doing a new mini-series called Ask an Adaptive Horseback Riding Instructor. So if you have any questions that you want answered, if they're shorter answers, I will actually answer them in that little mini-episode. It will first air on the podcast channel via audio, and then um, there'll be a video that goes up on my YouTube channel and will also be posted on my Facebook page as well. So just to let you guys know about the, the other ways that I'm trying to get um, information and education out. If it is a longer topic like this one, I will do a live instructor chat to um, talk about the more in-depth topics. All right, so Lisa said, I'm new to a program as the director this year and their previous policy was very similar, but they would have a rider add to a class for a makeup and I feel that that needs not to happen. I like the no makeup class policy. Yeah, we, um, we tried that for a while, I believe just as a trial period and it got really frustrating and confusing. Um, one, for the participant because you know, a lot of the participants we work with in adaptive writing, um, consistency is a big deal, especially when it comes to the instructor. So shifting to another day, another time, possibly another horse and a different set of equipment, um, a different instructor and teaching style, that could make for a really rough ride for some of the participants. Um, not to mention the logistics, um, that got really difficult to manage and so we just had a no makeup class policy and that just really ended up working well across the board again that was for that program that size that number of, of participants and the number of instructors we have um, I personally run a much smaller program handful of students are all private lessons I do makeups all the time um, but and that'll be on a separate instructor chat of how I run a small scale program um, but yeah, that across the board, I know parents wanted the makeup and the students wanted the makeup, but the domino effect of doing those makeup classes ended up to have more negatives that ended up outweighing potential positives. All right, so Stephanie said that they charge um, 75 for an hour private and 45 for an hour per semi-private. Um, so their cancellation fee is about half, I think if I'm doing the math right in my head. So that's a pretty good, you know, 50 
you, you save 50% if you do a cancellation um, ahead of time. So that's cool. Thank you for sharing, Stephanie. Um, Jana said, small program here. We currently charge for a four week packages with payment up front. We will reschedule if an emergency or notification, otherwise no refunds. We do have an indoor arena, so weather is not a big factor unless road conditions prohibit travel. Cool, all right, so that sounds like you guys have a pretty solid, um, you know, a solid uh, policy and thing that works for your, your program. All right, um, Janice, how many people do you have in your program? And Stephanie, how many do you guys have? Um, just wondering number-wise so that people can maybe compare and contrast the size of their program and uh, to yours and the policies that you guys have. So Claire said, Claire from North Carolina, our center bills mostly monthly or they can pay for the whole session, but most bill monthly for the duration of the session. We don't have a cancellation fee, but if the cancellation is less than two hours before the lesson, it counts as a no-show. No-shows are charged the cost of the lesson whether or not they are on scholarship. If you have three no-shows in a session, you lose your spot. Having the no-show fee really helped us since not all of our riders pay. Oh, interesting. So if they're on scholarship and it's a no-show, do they have to pay the full non-scholarship price or do they still pay the scholarship price? Can you clarify? That's a really um, a, a, a interesting and, and clear policy, so very nice. <coughs> Excuse me, there goes the coughing. Excuse me, just a second. <coughs> okay, so Stephanie says she has 14 clients currently. And Stephanie has the, um, they pay weekly and then they, for the less than 24 hours, they still pay the cancellation fee. Cool, all right, thank you Stephanie for that information. Uh, so I'll wait here for a couple more comments. Um, thank you guys so much for sharing your policies and your information, where you guys are at, and great questions. Um, you can still drop a few more questions here. Remember, it does take a few seconds for it to answer. If for some reason, or for it to come through before I can answer, um, if for some reason a comment comes through after my live stream is over, um, whether it got stuck in uh, the technology, or if you're watching on a replay, I will definitely answer in the comments. All right, and Stephanie says that they also have five on the wait list. Yeah, so wait list, um, wait list was another reason why we ended up changing the policy at the old program. We, ha we consistently had a full wait list, and we were wanting to hopefully have some of those people filter in if possible, and wanted to make sure that we were actually consistently serving people, and so we wanted to filter out people who um, might have the money to pay for the classes but not show up um but we really wanted to have people show up for class have that interaction have our volunteers work with them our instructors teach them um so the policy the the attendance policy change and the credit policy change also helped pull a couple students off of the the wait list as well all right so jana said for now we're private lessons and we need more four-legged four infrastructure <laughs> I love that wording. Um, and you need to offer some, or four-legged infrastructure to offer some semi-private lessons. Awesome. Okay, um, and Claire said, they pay the full cost of the lesson, $30 an hour, 20 for half, even if on scholarship for no show. I like that. That's actually, um, you know, there are some families who absolutely deserve to be on scholarship. They are wonderful. They promote the program. They try to get donations. But then there's some families that, for whatever reason, if a service is free um, or extremely low cost, 
they sometimes take advantage of it. Um, so I think that that is a really cool, um, you know, a really cool uh, policy for the no-shows because that makes sure that they're respecting your instructors, your time, your horses, and also the scholarship and the donor's money that they donated to help those people ride in your program. So I think that's kind of a really cool accountability policy, so nice job, Claire. Um, that's actually the first I think I've heard of that policy. All right, so I'll leave it here for just a few minutes. Um, I will drop my blog here in the comments, so make sure you guys check for that um, blog link, or I'm sorry, not blog, other thing, podcast. I will drop my podcast link here in the comments. Um, technology, if it cooperates, I will have this available on my YouTube channel. Um, also streaming on my podcast channel, just audio. Um, you can leave little voice messages on my Anchor podcast channel if you have questions. Feel free to submit any questions that you might have that you would want featured for a live instructor chat or an Ask an Adaptive Horseback Riding Instructor um, mini-series. And you can send that to my email, which is saber.p at hooffallsandfootfalls.com. You can drop questions in the comments. You can send me a question over my podcast channel. You can send a question in the comments on my YouTube channel or even through Messenger here on Facebook. All right, so Stephanie said our scholarships are six months and they're permitted two cancellations only per six months. All right, cool. So that's a really um, cool and interesting cancellation policy for scholarship writers as well from Stephanie. All right, so thank you guys so much for joining in um, live. Thank you to everyone who's watching or listening on a replay. Again, feel free to drop questions or comments, even if you're watching on a replay. I'd love to hear from you. And um, let me know if you guys have any other questions. And until then, I will see you guys on the next live instructor chat. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week.